Hi, I'm Clinton. I'm Hillary. And welcome to Black Atlantic, a podcast bringing East Coast voices to the world. You can expect to hear from us every week with guests and topics. So visit us at blackatlantic.ca. Follow Black Atlantic on all social media channels. And if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button. And the su- subscribe button. Hit both buttons. Hit all the like buttons. A, hit, hit, just, just close your eyes and just start tapping Clicking. things. How are you this week? I'm good. Thank you. I'm feeling better. I was sick for part of the week, but it was my birthday last week. So that was a good day. Birthday party on Saturday. Super fun. Um, And then I got sick. So I spent a couple days in bed and now I'm back, baby. I'm feeling great. You're back, partner. Cowboy hat and all. I wasn't calling you, baby. I know you weren't. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, my cowboy hat video from uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. partner. Yeah, if you if you aren't following Clinton Davis, the brown farm boy, on Instagram, you're missing out on some killer content. And I think everybody <laughs> listening should watch. It's getting there. Yeah. I didn't wear the cowboy hat during our podcast. No. No. no something else. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Just killing it. Just absolutely killing it. Week's been crazy. Went to an NFT DJ party. Went to a Juno's after party. Met some very interesting people that I think we will be having on the podcast and that I also had already wanted to have on the podcast. So that is very exciting. Um, Got a new job opportunity like I needed any more. Doing Mm -hmm. communications for a charity run by one of the Real Housewives of Toronto. So that's very exciting and fancy, but also some philanthropy work. Um, Oh, gave a talk uh, at Prude for their Newcomer Women in Leadership program, which is really exciting. Talking about social media which is what I want to do with my crop berry business. So that was very exciting. Um, and I don't know, through all of that, I just tried to uh, stay calm, cool, and collected. Got up at 6.30 and 7.30 for the first time in a very long time. And I don't know how you do it with uh, children. I don't did not like that. I had a nap for two hours with my contacts in my eyes, regretted everything. <laughs> Before COVID, a lot of people with jobs had to wake up like super, super early Kids or not, sure. just to get to work, especially in Toronto, start at 8 a.m., 8.30, 9 a.m. It's just never uh, okay, my life. Okay, explain to our listeners, what's an NFT DJ party? <laughs> so an NFT DJ party is where you, you, I think the intention was for people in the NFT crypto world to come together and network in a videography space near the pier while NFTs were projected onto walls and a DJ DJed and they had Jamaican patties and empanadas and candy and and it was sponsored by Remy Alcohol and it was open bar. And I think you were supposed to network with people. We just danced and ate patties and had a great time. And I never learned anything about an NFT. Yeah. Were Uh, the people in attendance, the owners of the NFTs being displayed? Do you know what an NFT is yet? I (laughs) almost I almost just ended this whole podcast you know what what an i know what a non-fungible token is i've met a toronto man's who's told me several times what these are um i think that they're just isn't it it's like digital art it cannot be replicated it is like a one-of-a-kind thing and it's worth a bunch of money from my understanding uh no a lot of them are worth nothing a lot of the people that have invested in them have lost all their money and then other people uh who have invested in them have made millions and millions of dollars Uh, it can absolutely be replicated just like uh, a picasso or van gogh can be replicated you could buy a print of it you could copy it you could make a jpeg of it but there is a digital owner who would own the original copy of it that's what i meant by yes that 
Yeah. But I, I don't, I assume that the ones that were projected were owned by the people that were there in the space. It seemed like, yeah. Otherwise, what's the point, right? Yeah. Um, and it was not like uh, an NFT I'd ever seen before at anything. So I would assume it was like sort of exclusive to this thing, but no one there was really talking about the NFT. It was very much just like a fun dance party. Yeah. The other so crypto think- event I had been at was very like, actual. actual yes. Actual, yeah. So this is just this is just like a, a gimmick to grab. Um, there, there will actually be a part two to the real crypto event while I believe you're here. Oh wow! I might if, check that out. Megan's going, going. If you want to take my ticket, <laughs> we have wild news. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's save that news. Let's save that news till okay. June. Actually, okay, okay. But I am going to Toronto in June. I'm super excited about it. Um, yeah, and I'll be seeing you there. Yes. So we also had something happen this week. We were on, you've had a, you had an amazing week. Wow. We were on CBC um, yeah. in the morning, information morning with John Brewer. Um, oh, sorry. Well, this, it was Khalil Akhtar yeah. uh, filling in for John Brewer. And we spoke about something not surprising uh, and continuously quite tragic. Um the Buffalo massacre, uh, the Buffalo shooting that occurred last week in which an 18 year old man consciously and intentionally plotted for weeks to murder black people. Um, he wrote a 180 page manifesto. I mean, if you haven't heard of this, obviously you're living under a rock, but we are going to talk about it today in as much detail as we can, uh, in which he echoed a lot of the rhetoric um, that you hear on Fox News and the Tucker Carlson show, um, a lot of the the rhetoric found in the Great Replacement Theory or the White Replacement Theory, and it's it's just insane. And um, also streamed the entire thing on Twitch, like murdered people live for yes. entertainment purposes um i guess probably inspired by the new zealand shooter who live yeah. streamed the killings as well um i don't know if it was you that said this or if it was in the news but i believe he was inspired by the the killing of the muslim family in london ontario i don't know if um, he was inspired by but i did say on the radio that to to believe that canada is incapable of something like that is to ignore the fact that a, a man did run over a family of four in London, Ontario, just because they were Muslim. Mm -hmm. So while it is not a massacre of 10 people and another three injured, it's not that far off. It's still a a, a racially or prejudice motivated hate crime. Yeah, absolutely. And just for a second here, I did stay on the radio um, and I stand by this, how Mm -hmm. um, Canadians a lot of Canadians were doing the the stupid thing that we do by saying, "Oh, I'm so glad I live in Canada." Or at least we're not in the states. At least, at least the bad things in Canada are not as bad as in the states. Uh, I say we need to stop saying that, and we do. <laughs> but then I looked up the amount of mass shootings that take place in the states every year, and it is just insane. Like there, like, hundreds, hundreds of mass shootings if take you- place. If you go at the top of the Wikipedia and click on statistics, it says the entire number for the year. So click on, uh, I think, monthly statistics. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's I was, it scrolls down to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. So 2,000 
823 people injured in mass yeah. shootings in the United States in 2021 um, and 689 murdered, not including the shooters. 689 um, mass shootings, 702 oh, killed. Sorry, 689. Are the, just, just the number of shootings? Mass shootings. And a mass shooting is over four people, I believe. Yeah. Um, but then when you get to the States, I mean, the numbers, are, like when you get to 2022, like not slowing down at all. Like it's no. just insane. And you said you looked up um, pre-2020 during the pandemic and it didn't slow down at all, did it? 2020 during the pandemic, I think I saw that it was still also in the 600s. I think in 2019, <clears throat> it didn't, it didn't have the same statistic chart, but what it said was that it was reported that they had had the highest number recorded to date with something in the 400s, which means that despite there being a pandemic, they raised the number by like 100 in 2019 and then maintained it going up to the 600s in 2020. I guess the added stress of the pandemic made might have made more people lose their their minds or... I guess I was I was baffled by it because of like things being closed. Where are you going to get like all of these people already owned their guns? Is a gun an essential service? People couldn't buy hair dye at shoppers, but there was 600 mass shootings in the middle of the pandemic. And then the fact that, of course, none of that was reported because we were reporting about the pandemic. So I was surprised to see that number so high because the news was just so concerned about the vaccines and China and Trump and everything that I like all of that was completely swept under the rug from an international news standpoint. Yeah. And what's the thing is we don't know the reasons for all the different mass shootings. We just showed the people watching on YouTube. Um, but like it could have been random at a club, random fights, someone just losing their, losing their mind, uh, yeah. targeted, premeditated, but in schools. this case, schools, yeah. But in this case, it was very premeditated. Yeah. Uh, the killer, he went, he searched on the internet to find zip codes that had the largest demographic of Black people. And then he went to the supermarket. Um, he chose a supermarket because he knew it would, I think it would be families or, uh, I don't know, he found out, he used Google to research the busiest time of the day to go there. And he scouted the location three times, drew a map of the location. And then before he did it, he created a private group on Twitch in which he told a number of people his entire plan before live streaming it. I'm looking something up. Sorry, keep going. No, just the amount of to murder someone is one thing but to premeditate it for months and just still carry it out. Like the hatred, I, the, the confusion, the, the not confusion, the, from an 18 year old, like these young people are so easily influenced and I'm, I'm just a bit of a loss for words. What I, are you looking up? I thought that I read that he actually worked there and then gave his two week notice. Like in part of his scouting, he worked at that supermarket what i thought i read somewhere but i'm trying to find it um i didn't see that but it could have been the case the amount of so <clears throat> there is a video i watched last week and it's about a form of terrorism and i can't remember the name of the terrorism but this is actually a video from 10 years ago a gentleman who was talking about mass shootings and who was responsible for them 
And the theory basically went that there is a rhetoric that, you know, when people go on the news or have talk shows and they spread this mass hatred, great replacement theory, white replacement theory, um, incel based stuff. And just like, someone's got to do something about this. We need to stop this stuff like that. You know, no, you can't predict who is going to carry out that action. But when you have mass communication with social media and YouTube and stuff like that, with millions and millions of people listening, um, you can't predict who it is, but it is predictable that periodically, monthly, annually, someone is going to listen to this mass hatred and carry out these actions. So are the people spreading this hatred responsible? Like what responsibility do they have? Yeah, they, they can't pinpoint who was going to do it, but they certainly, it's certainly reasonable to believe that, you know, because of inciting this violence, someone is going to carry out the actions and go out there and, and murder uh, and commit terrorism. It just goes back to the whole free speech thing. Should free speech include hate speech? And where do you draw the line? I've been talking for a while. I know, I know. I I tried to look it up and I didn't find it. So I must have been thinking about something else. But like I said on CBC, um, I like I answered our our government survey about like anti-hate tactics and whether there should be more committees and groups and funding to like discuss those things. And I think that like continuing to have these like groups are useless and no offense to the commissioner of systemic racism. But if we're not taking complaints, then what is the change that is going to occur? And we still don't know. The report's not out. But I don't think that funding those things is the same as actually investigating and looking into people who threaten Black people, racialized people, minorities on social media platforms or on the internet. And I and I feel weird about censorship. Like, I don't, I don't love censorship. But I, I'm starting to feel that there are far too many people that are very comfortable behind screen saying things and then actually acting them out and not just staying behind a screen. Like it's no longer just like trolls and people bullying and saying the N word. Now they're like, and there's has to be record of this because it's digital and a computer and computers register everything, but they're making literal plans to commit terrorist attacks and streaming them and telling people and having a little network and a little community and I feel like there has to be some kind of way for these websites that host these chat forums and live streams and conversations to be held responsible. Well, Twitch actually, remarkably, Twitch took down that live stream almost immediately, faster than ever before. Um, Like in a lot of cases with the New Zealand shooting, the video had time to spread. A lot of people had a chance to download it and spread it and upload it to different sites like Pirate Bay and YouTube. And then it was a big scramble uh, because so many people were uploading it. These companies had trouble pulling it down fast enough but to twitch's credit they were able to pull it down really fast and i don't think it spread um i think they are looking into the other people in the chat room and stuff like that but you're totally right it like it went from lynch a black person anytime you want to people not doing it then we're starting to see that wave come back where it's it's happening right it's happening more and it's happening again um i don't know go ahead And I was just going to say, similar to what I said on the radio too, it feels to me like the louder we got about George Floyd's murder and the hatred that we're facing, the more that the racist white people are trying to actually combat us instead of just let us live our lives and hate us in secret or behind closed doors. It feels more so now like 
yeah, like white people are, yeah, that they're trying to fight back against us actually saying we're not going to tolerate being treated this way. And it's hard because as I said, like our, and we reported on this, the hate, hate crime stats went up in Canada. Is that us being louder and more honest? Is it actually going up? But with things like this happening, it does seem like um, we're, yeah, being further ostracized and treated even worse just because we are no longer taking some of the bullshit that we have to take on the daily. I think you're right. Because with the whole, when Obama was elected, there was this bullshit going through the air, like racism is solved. Is every No, racism was brooding and boiling and bubbling under the surface, mm-hmm. right? And just waiting for someone like Donald Trump. It had to be yeah. someone for Donald Trump to come out so that all the people who were angry and silenced for all those years could explode. And then with the George Floyd murder, same thing. Like the world was taken by storm. The social media sites allowed black content to actually be seen and show up in news feeds and stuff like that. And the whole world was anti-racism. Um, you know, it's crazy though. That doesn't fix racism at all. It was, it's this wave of everyone being silenced and then uh, the racist people silently waiting for their moment to, to clap back and then bring the racism on even harder. So every killing though, it probably inspires the next person to start plotting and planning. And that's, that's the really horrible thing. You never know when and where it can happen. Um, the most we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis is prejudice and um, maybe being called the N-word, but you, you never know. Like there is there's someone out there just waiting to to do something. Um, Can't wait to go on my walk later. Thanks. <laughs> less than five minutes from where I live, there is a car with a Confederate flag on it. Um, I drive by every day and I look at that house, right? I just look at the house. Because I know that that license plate has a Confederate flag on it. I can't even see the flag because of the way the car is parked. But I know that car has a Confederate flag on it. And when I was in Sackville a couple of weeks ago, yeah. <laughs> this is wild. Um, this is wild. I'm still processing this. But, you know, there was another guy in a car, full-blown Confederate flag. And I saw it from way down the street. And I was like, what the hell? And actually, my partner and I, we... We looked for the car. <laughs> we actually walked a couple blocks looking for the car. And when I found the car, now this is just going to throw everyone way off. When I found the car, I looked in the driver's side window. It was in the parking lot and I kind of walked by it. And it was a black guy. There was a black guy with a Confederate flag, full blown on his, on his, on his car. And yeah, I got, I got, I got pretty loud. I wasn't yelling at him directly. His window was closed, but I was like, what am I looking at? Like, no, like, what is this? Like, help me like no i am not seeing this and i I may have said some other things um and i was going to go back and videotape it i was literally i I walked i walked like half a block and i was going to go back and videotape it i was like i gotta i gotta record this like this is surreal and i i got my phone out and i started to walk back and suddenly the car pulled out of the parking lot made a left turn he had his window down he like screeched away he's like give me the finger and all this stuff and i just wonder where this guy was from I don't think I'm getting off topic. Sorry, okay. but I I don't think I I mean I felt for him. I I really felt for him in a way because where did he grow up? Where was who? What has he been exposed to? Has he has he never seen another black person? Like has he? No, I'm serious. Like he did not. He had black skin, but it's just there's something about him. Like I feel like he. I don't know. I don't know. The Confederate flag is not a rebel flag. I, it's not a. Independence flag. It's a racism flag. 
How um, I feel. Anyways, it's it's you just never know. It's yeah. it's everywhere. Like it doesn't happen as often in Canada. I, I but it happens. Muslim family for generations, and you know it, you only really hear about it when the people die, and um, it could happen at any time. And uh, most Caribbean people, most people of Caribbean heritage living in Canada, when you when you migrate from the Caribbean, like they have relatives. Most Caribbean people have relatives living all over the states. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's it's just the thing. Like a lot of people from the Caribbean, they want to migrate to North America. So I like I have I have relatives in Toronto, in New York, in Florida, in Atlanta, in Connecticut, in like Chicago. I have relatives everywhere. So it, it is it is kind of scary. Fair. <laughs> Understood. As someone with a big black man as a dad, I worry all the time. More for him than for me. Yeah. But I worry. Toronto stresses me out sometimes. I mean, yeah. Anyways, if you're if you're listening, comment on the Facebook what your thoughts are, Instagram, comment on YouTube. Let us know what your thoughts are about the situation, how you're feeling. And yeah. What topic do you want to talk about next that is not so sad? A not sad one? A not sad one. <laughs> you know, we it's we don't try to bring sad topics or happy topics. We don't try to bring people on the show to talk about racism or to not talk about racism positive stories we, we don't know what people's stories are uh we just bring people on the show um well, oh that's not happy okay what i would say what i would say is that when we know we're going to talk about something sad we do try to find something happy because we don't want it to be depression hour but we recognize that bad things happen to black people good things happen to black people we want to talk about all the things that happen to all the black people yeah right? you, you, you see the article i have up here from nova scotia heck yeah it's a good thing that happened to black people <laughs> Okay, do you want to talk about this article? Sure. So um, a Dalhousie professor, um, the article says, is working to show Black students that they're not alone. Um, If I remember correctly, he's starting an after-school program for kids grades 7 to 12 um, to encourage them about... being black and knowing who they are in their community. Um, it's part of the securing black futures project. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy that something like this is happening because there was definitely nothing like that when I was going to school where you could, um, have an school program for black specific kids, um, that was funded, um, so I think that that's really, really exciting that they're doing it. I think I saw it's like $1.2 million of funding for their organization that they're putting into yep, from something RBC. like this. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty thoughts? cool. Um, I, I just think it's great. I mean, simple and plain. It is, yeah. we need more of it. Um, you know, when all the George Floyd protests were happening all around the world, around Canada and America, um, something I said back then was that this is amazing, um, but this is not the thing that's going to create change. You know, when the dust settles from all the protests and all the social media posts and all the black squares and all that mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, that's when the real work has to start. Uh, and that's where the real change can take place. Um, as we know now, I think less than 0.5 or less than 1% of corporations that pledged to donate to black causes did it was all just word speak no one actually did anything but for the small amount of organizations that did um this is the real work you know trying Mm -hmm. to get more young black people in nova scotia into post-secondary education because that's what creates generational well-being that's what sets the path to creating generational knowledge and wealth and and the works. Um, Nova Scotia is actually a province that has been wrought with racism. 
but also has um, invested in a lot of programs for black people um, to help them get ahead. Uh, and ironically, when I was younger, I used to actually have a problem with that because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand we're all equal. We should all be equal. We need to, we, you know, why, why are black people getting the special treatment? But until you understand generational wealth gaps and mm-hmm. the the benefits of having parents and grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents and that were not slaves and actually had an opportunity to create economic well-being um black people didn't get that opportunity so investing money in them now like literally just investing in them now more than certain other than white cultures is a legitimate way to help even the playing field 100% i agree yeah. I feel like that's a good segue into a family with generations of wealth that have decided to take their time <laughs> yes. to grace their presence yes. on our yes. country. Yep. Um, we're currently being visited by the royals, Prince Charles and uh Duchess of Cornwall, is it Camilla? Um, I believe and so. They visited Newfoundland first. Mm-hmm. Now they're in the Northwest Territories. Yep. And um, not that CBC is participating in the photo op, but there's been a photo op of, you know, Camilla in a teepee. She's learning about how some skills. They're learning about the world of living in the Northwest Territories. Um, post-colonization. Post-colonization. <laughs> There's yep. been some speeches made about reparations and truth and reconciliation and how they recognize that, you know, they're on land that belonged to other people. And in the same flavor as William and Kate visiting, <laughs> visiting Jamaica, <laughs> pourquoi? Pourquoi? Oh, oh, the question's pourquoi. I thought you were going to say at least they didn't have any horrible photos. I think they took more care this time to not... They made Take sure photos that... of themselves like on the other side of black kids trying to in chains well, so trying to put their hands through fences. Oh, hold on. I'll have to send it to you. Wait. Mm-hmm. There's a photo of them arriving in Newfoundland. Hold on. Let me, I'm going to hold it up, which is a very stupid way to show you. Um, here. Look at all of these melanated children <laughs> are like welcoming them in Newfoundland. That's okay. It's strategic. At least they're not. Oh, of course. It's very planned. Thank you. That's all. No, no doubt. At least they're not behind chains. Since when is (laughs) this much melanin in Newfoundland? Like you and I are just learning about all of the melanin in Newfoundland that we want to interview. And so to have them at the forefront of the photo that homeboy JT is posting about the arrival. Yeah. They need their token kids. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Um, I mean, whatever, the royal family, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the funniest part about the article, though, is um, the Kateri Lin um, oh, yes. was very happy to see them. They were really interested in everything. <laughs> and she said, well, well, it would be nice to have their land back. <laughs> it was still nice <laughs> to to see that, to have them come visit. Um I think it's very, oh, sorry, someone named Sangris. I think it's very important to recognize that while we're receptive and happy to receive them, that this is still treaty land and it would be nice to have our traditional land back. So, I mean, good. I'm so glad that got got into the article because I mean, thank you, CBC. Yeah, yeah. Though, like, what, why do they do these visits? They've got time. 
It's a fo- it's a big photo op. Like it's literally just trying to undo the damage of I'm sure the Jamaica visit while Kate and William are at the premiere of Top Gun sequel tonight. Um, because that's all the news I've seen is about what she's that wearing guy. to Top Gun with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise ain't Asian. Like he's not Asian. It sounded like you said he's not Asian, not aging. <laughs> It was like, I don't No, correct. no, he's, he's not, not Asian. Asian, okay? Forget what you heard. <laughs> he's not Asian or aging, but he does have a tooth in the center of his face that makes him look wonky. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand how he's doing everything he's doing, and I don't understand the royal family. I don't understand the purpose of these visits. I also don't know that they're the ones to give the land back. Like, when the robot queen finally... I don't know. The batteries finally run out and it's finally Charles's turn to be king at the ripe age of 75. I don't know that he's going to be the one to be like the indigenous can have their land back. I think that that's that would be a Justin Trudeau call. No, I don't know. Great question, because, I mean, we're still under the monarchy. We are, but I I also don't know why. (laughs) Yeah, just because you'd have to rewrite the whole constitution. I don't think they want to open that can of worms right now. Now, something we should keep our pulse on, even though it's not necessarily Black-specific news, is the 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 Pope coming to apologize to the Indigenous, because he's on the way. I did not know that. Oh, he's doing a whole tour of the country and apologizing I to won't. the residential school survivors. I won't say it. Say okay. it. Uh, okay. No, it's uh, the moment passed. Okay. Hide your children. <laughs> Amen. I said it. Okay. Um, okay. So how's that going to go? I, I, so I, oh, I wish I knew like what the count was. So he's apologizing for residential schools and all the thousands and thousands and thousands of children <laughs> that we no longer speak about that are still being uncovered yes. in graves. Everyone cared when it was like 251. I think we're at, I, I don't want to guess, over 7,000. How many? I thought it had hit the 10,000s by now. I'm sure honest. it has. It's just a... Um, Vatican, late July visit by Pope Francis will visit Iqaluit, Edmonton, and Quebec City. I'll, I'll keep going. Um, he'll be in Canada July 24th to 20th. How old is he? How old are all of these people? I don't is know. he not also a robot? <laughs> 75. You could still be quite cognizant and... Agile and quick and witty and smart and yeah 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 I don't I, I don't know how old he is though. So he's yeah, gonna no, visit. Lac- ain't that old. He's gonna visit Lac Saint on pilgrimage grounds. Yeah, seventy-five kilometers northwest of Edmonton. He's eighty-five. Ermins. Oh, I'm so sorry. Erminskin Cree Nation from mm-hmm. uh, outside of Edmonton as well. Um, and yes, he announced on April first that he would be coming. Um, and would be delivering a proper apology. I, I'd like, like, sorry. The delegates who travel to Rome want the Pope to issue an apology in Canada for the role the Roman Catholic Church played in operating the majority of residential school si- si- residential schools, which would fulfill call to action fifty eight of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There are ninety four. I think at this point we've only done twenty. Um. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Okay. They requested a, an apology. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how many. Uh... <laughs> you got to stop doing so much research during the podcast. Listen, <laughs> we'll edit this out. This is. Oh, we will. Well, I will. If you're watching on YouTube, please know this doesn't exist. You're, you, you're not hearing this. 
I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find the number of the graves found. 1,100, that's not accurate anymore. Okay. Can I find an accurate representation? More than 1,900? That's not right. I know. I'm, I need um, everyone to get it together. As of April 26, 2098, unmarked graves. So, so, so Wikipedia says. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But there's still okay. like another 100 schools to check, isn't there? That is astronomical. I, I I heard it was a lot more, but I'm not going to contest that right now. We're not going to waste more time Googling. It's probably pretty accurate. Um, I may have been misinformed. I, I heard there was like way more, but it doesn't matter. If, even if there's five, it's, you know, it's. Okay. Long story short, the Pope visit will be the same as Charles and Camilla. I mean, at least he's coming with the purpose to apologize, but it's just another photo op. It's all the same. At least they asked for it. Yes, it is in the Truth and Reconciliation Act, so I'm glad that this 80-year-old sir will be coming along. So are they going in order? I mean, that's it's an easy thing for him to do. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more they harder things. Not, that they're they've going, not been going in order. Yeah, are they doing the easy things first? Because it seems like a pretty easy thing to do. I don't know that there's time or reason to the things that have been accomplished. <laughs> it's the government. It doesn't seem, there doesn't seem to be any sense. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, what's next? Um, well, there is this interesting article from Huddle, which is an amazing website. It's a great website. They have really good content. At least um, I haven't read it them recently, but they've always put out good journalism. Um, but yeah, you, you showed this article to me and it, there's something weird about it. Off about it. Do you want to summarize? Sure. So um, this article was shared on my Facebook by other people who go to University of Moncton that I have worked with through Black History Month. And this gentleman, um, Serge Zabli, was interviewed about the fact that international students can build lives and careers in New Brunswick. He talks about how he got there from the Ivory Coast, how he went to UDM, graduated in 2018, a year after me, um, then worked for the university, then ended up working for operations, uh, Opportunities NB, and sort of says that, like, it's a misconception that you can't be an international person and thrive there and encourages businesses of Moncton and New Brunswick to hire international students. And there's a website, but I'm still left wondering why international people would want to stay. And I'm just very confused by the article. Yeah. Um, so the challenges for newcomers, he says, are language barriers, integration barriers, housing, yeah. and finding a job. Yeah. Uh, he remains hopeful, however, uh, you know, it doesn't mention the racism, um, but Facts. he remains hopeful that these things will change. And he thinks that New Brunswick has a lot to offer. Yeah. And as for me, no, well, just as you highlighted, and I forgot, um, if we want international students to say New Brunswick, we need to continue to take concrete action. And then doesn't it say, um, I thought it said somewhere in there that the government of New Brunswick was doing work to help newcomers. And I just want to know how, how, how is, how is Blaine Higgs <laughs> making international students feel welcome? Cause as a, a national student, I did not fucking feel welcome. And I still don't feel welcome. So yeah. how, how I would like 
the research. <laughs> Absolutely. So this article strikes us as weird because he says he likes students to stay and he says they're facing barriers, but there is no explanation anywhere throughout the article on mm. how that can be improved, how we can make students want to stay um, other than helping them get a house and a job, which is, I mean, how do you do that? Um there's no mention of prejudice or challenges or racism or anything like that. Uh, and the most interesting thing I found about this article is that it was not written by anybody, apparently. There is no journalist or author on it. And in fact, it is an advertisement. It says sponsored content and it's an ad. It's an ad um, for Opportunities New Brunswick. Opportunities New Brunswick disguised as an article. Well, not disguised it says sponsored but yeah. i mean that's probably why there's not a lot of deep content in here and why it doesn't address the, the deeper issues uh, that students can face it does mention integration which can maybe lightly touch on racism but it's just an ad um, yeah. i have no problem with opportunities new brunswick at all oh doesn't demi lola works for them yeah yes. they're great they're a good organization i've, I've yeah. always found over the years but this is just an ad. So New Brunswick has invested, we've said this many times, millions and millions and millions of dollars over the years trying to bring immigrants here, including international students. Uh, and this is just another ad. So I, I think... actually, you're asking why would students want to stay? I mean, I the more I live in New Brunswick, so the more diverse it gets, the happier I get. But yeah, this still, why would they want to stay? Because there's lots for students to do. Yeah. Well, there's lots to do all over Canada. <laughs> there's lots to do in Toronto and Montreal and Calgary and Alberta. Like, why, why would they want to stay? And that's the question that is very hard to answer. Yeah. Um. It was where he in the article says, "I'm happy to be in the position I'm in because I can see the work our government is doing." And I, what work? What what work? Yeah. yeah I just. That's I my wish, question. I guess you can't expect too much substance from an advertisement. Well, and I think that's where I dislike. Like, why tell this man's story in the guise of an advertisement? Why not just say how Opportunities New Brunswick can make life worthwhile for international students? All this told me is this man worked for Magma and, uh-oh, I've tried to partner with Magma. They're useless and did not help me. These views are mine, all in mine, but I found them extremely unhelpful. Um, he worked at the university after graduating. That's what the university does, hires their graduates. It's very easy to hire them on. I'm not saying that he should not be proud of that work, but I don't know that that's enough to make people come from another country stay and deal with like New Brunswick's winters and lack of community. Like it's, it's good that they stay for us who want a more diverse, racialized, interesting, fruitful province. Is it good for them? I have questions. Like, I think like, for instance, Demi Lola speaking about her, um, it sounded to me like she's found a way to make the most of New Brunswick by enriching it with her culture, by telling the stories of Black people. I don't know that all immigrants are going to be that motivated or that all international students are going to want to make New Brunswick their home by teaching their neighbors their culture. Uh, I think that that's a big ask. I think Demi Lola is a wonderful person for putting all of that effort in. I think a lot of our guests, they become our guests because they put that effort in and that's wonderful. But by and large, what does New Brunswick have to offer? Paper? <laughs> the the Irvings? Like what? <laughs> I don't. I scenery. love. <laughs> scenery and fresh air. Yeah. Uh, fiddleheads. 
lots to do for kids. It's a great place for kids. Um, and I, I can just hear some of the people listening to this being like, we don't want you to bring your culture here to New Brunswick. And that just goes back into the great replacement theory bullshit. Like someone else bringing their culture here does not erase your culture, doesn't destroy your culture. You can continue to celebrate your culture, promote your culture. If you are smart, hardworking individuals that want to create change and push your culture, the good parts of your culture, do that. If people come here and they are promote their culture better than you and you know, start businesses and what do you what is that phase? Tell me. I'm, I'm just literally gonna stop talking. I feel what? like we're going to have to, we're gonna end up having to do a whole episode of about this and like no offense to anybody, but like what is their culture? What's white culture? Mayonnaise, like unless you are Italian or Greek or you can pick a place, Canadian culture is the amalgamation and mosaic of everybody's culture. If you think that international people coming is going to steal your jobs, your ability to celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate or do whatever you do with your families, that's not going to change. And I would not call that culture. That's okay. Uh, Canadian culture is whatever American culture tells us our culture is, right? And that's really the thing that Canadians have been struggling with all this time. And that's what I said on CBC. We need to stop looking at ourselves through the lens of what America is doing, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I mean, Canadian culture. Yeah. Like, what is it? Like hockey and donuts, right? Well, and I continue to ask this question, not only in the general sphere, but also the fashion sphere. Like Canadian fashion is just like Roots and Lululemon and Aritzia. Canadian culture is the tragically hip and Tim Hortons. And it's like, like you can't, you can't name it because we still refuse to accept that it should be, I think, indigenous. Um, and I think there's still a lot of pushback on that. Like if I had, um, if I had a choice, Canadian fashion would look like leather and fringe and beadwork and everything that encompasses indigenous fashion because it honors the planet. It is sustainable it's beautiful and it honors this land, but we still are like root sweaters, Walmart, <laughs> and like that's, but that's not a culture. That's not a thing. That's a, that's a big box brand. company. That, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in the same vein, what is Canadian culture? It's, it's to me, it's always been what you said. Yeah. It's diversity. It's, it's multiculturalism. It's the place that anyone from anywhere in the world can come here and if they want to be they can be a canadian um what it at least what it should be is that shared identity of knowing that um we are all one from anywhere in the world we're all humans i mean that's my vision for canadian culture to be honest with you i agree however this may be a good segue into our last topic into <laughs> a particular culture that is very prevalent here in Canada and the States and intentional or not uh, stereotype, I'm going to stereotypical word here, but it's the word that we see on the article here. That's redneck culture. <laughs> so we found this article, actually it's from Matthew Bayard, who's uh, he interviewed us for black history month. He is a journalist with the Halifax examiner. Uh, great guy. Yep. Um, we found this article of a Dartmouth man charged with willful promotion of hatred. So out there in cottage country, um, on the side of a cottage, uh, a black woman, I believe she was, yeah, she's a black woman. Um, she was out 
at a cottage with a group of friends, uh, and she came across this other building that had a sign called with the red neck hangout logo on it. Now, there's no one that can tell me that they don't know what, what this sign means, what that noose means. Well, I didn't know. It. I wasn't confident, <laughs> but then I like looked at it for enough minutes. I was like, if Clinton sending this to me, this means what I think it means. But I would have been so hopeful. I'd have been like, oh, they're just they're just into suicide. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My brain didn't immediately go to like what? lynching. It's li- no, it's OK. That's you've had a busy week. <laughs> I don't know. My brain was just like. It's okay. It's also so, a very good play on words, unfortunately. A uh, neck hangout. Uh, uh, no, it's racist. Uh, it's um, racist. Yeah, yeah. But so she reported it to the police, and this was in 2020. And I believe either then or later, the person that owned that cottage was arrested. And then, um, well, this was actually. This actually happened. Do you remember a couple of years ago in Nova Scotia when another black man was out in cottage country and two teenagers showed up and they were hanging noose, they were holding nooses and like waving them at the black guy swimming in the water and like threatening them? Um, yes, I do. This was all within a two week period, I believe. Right. Uh, it does say that in the article. Um, so yeah, this area is has some issues. So this guy that got charged. Kozlowski, we're really not doing a great name job at pronouncing names today. Uh, he is a business owner. He owns a company that uh, Wilson Equipment Limited, and they issued a statement saying that. Now, this is where it gets to me wild and funny. Wow, the screen is bright on my face. Um, we learned today of an offensive sign put up at Mark's cottage without his knowledge or consent. <laughs> So the owner of the building said that this sign was put up outside his cottage without his knowledge or consent. As soon as Mark became aware, he had it taken down immediately. Putting the sign up was someone's idea of a joke, a thoughtless, offensive joke. Neither Mark or anyone at Wilson Equipment supports the racist message the sign communicates. We believe in equity and inclusion and reject any messages that suggest otherwise. There we go. Now you're on board. Yeah. What bullshit. Of course, a corporation is going to put that on their website and yada, yada, yada. But uh, the police did charge this man. Mm-hmm. However, they charged him like silently. Um, yeah. Which was also really weird. They it took them like a year or two to actually even lay the charges, um, but there were no like news reports about it until now. Until Matthew wrote about mm-hmm. it, is my understanding. Um, this happened in September of 2020, but he wasn't charged until March of 2022. And why wasn't it like really? It wasn't really publicized i think i don't know if it was on the police's website at least they charged him which is good he has to appear in court in 2023 but like that's ridiculous and this is we have critics we have critics out there that say that we're promoting anti-whiteness or we are we are delusional or we are like laughing at us for saying like that's why we have to talk about this stuff because it keeps happening and the fact is that yeah, no one was hung, but there. if you're going out to the... I don't think this is being oversensitive either. Like, you're out in the middle of the woods with your friends. You're a Black person, and you're with all white people because you don't hate white people. 
you like white people, you love white people, you live in the Maritimes. So you are around white people Mm -hmm. almost all day. (laughs) But then you see some white people who thought they would put a sign on the wall with a noose called the Redneck Hangout. And you at least should feel safe in Atlanta, Canada, you know, out in the woods with your white friends. But this person's whole weekend was ruined. Probably her month was ruined. She probably thinks of it every time she enters a forest now. She probably doesn't want to go back to that part of Nova Scotia. The threat of being somewhere where someone thinks it's either funny to joke about murdering you or wants to murder you. Um, I knew I had some friends in Toronto 20 years ago and their dad was from the South and their dad was murdered when they were young. So this was in like the 80s or 90s and he was hung and then he was dragged through the street with the noose around his neck. And this was 20, 30 years ago. So I don't think people are overreacting to be enraged by seeing a noose saying the redneck hangout in cottage country in Atlanta, Canada. Like I had friends whose father was murdered in there in my lifetime by being hung for being black. I hope, I don't know who put up the sign. <laughs> the website statement is, that's a far stretch. To, yeah, like, we know who put up the absolute sign. Absolute bullshit. Um, but these, again, these are the things that we have to keep talking about because it's still happening. And whether it's happening less or not, it's still happening. And that's the thing. Like, it circles back very much to everything we were saying at the end of the conversation about the shooting. Anything can happen. People unfortunately want to kill us for simply existing in the way that we are, whether it's America or Canada or Atlantic Canada, or they think it's funny to joke about the fact that we historically have been targets and it's like extremely frightening and deeply uncomfortable. And I would rather talk about it in hopes that things change than sit there and be afraid in my apartment and never go outside. Like Part of the reason I think this podcast exists is to try to dismantle the systems that allow these things to happen, to have a voice to show that Black people are more than a color, that we are successful people with lots of things to give this planet, whether it's opportunity or love or light or experiences, and we don't deserve to be treated any differently because of this. And I don't hate white people. Historically, I've only loved <laughs> a lot of white people up until my dad and I reconciled. And now I love a lot of black people too. Um, I don't hate white people. I hate how white people historically have treated black people. And that's no one specific to my life that I necessarily know. Yeah. I mean, I might hate some white people that think that I it's also okay hate to. some black people. But I think that it's okay to hang, <laughs> hang black people. But no, I don't hate anyone because of the color of their skin. And, you know, while, you know, yeah, so nowadays maybe there's a horrible mass shooting where 10 people are killed. And maybe there's uh, someone thought it was funny to li- literally take the time to carve a noose into a sign and pay to make have this made. You know, this is not like the Martin Luther King days and the days way before that, like what I'm talking about in the past century, Martin Luther King days, Malcolm X, like the brave people back then who took to the streets, marched, protests, fought, uh, were attacked by dogs, were watered down by high pressure hoses, killed, you know, 
there's been progress over the decades, but that doesn't mean that equality has happened or that we are there yet. It's not time to stop yet. Uh, I'd love to stop. I'd love to my kids or their kids or the kids after that to never have to think about racism, but yeah. we're not there yet. Nope. We're not there yet. And, you know, you have to believe that hopefully one day we can be. But until then, we'll keep having a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been um, a very been full a episode. Yeah. Of ups and downs, joys and sorrows. And we hope our listeners enjoyed listening um, or watching. If you're watching or listening, again, if you have an opinion, let us know. DM us, comment on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, anywhere. And yes. uh, this is Clinton Davis. And over, is it over um, here? Or? Yeah, Cropberry, Hillary. Uh, speaking of TikTok, I think we're less than 20 away from 10,000 followers. If you're listening to this, please follow us. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be doing cool stuff for the 10,000. We'll be do doing cool stuff over the summer. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on that. And this is dropping on Sunday. Our next guest should be Sandra. Why am I blanking on her last name? Hannenbaum. Um, that's going to be our next guest. And also, if you're not busy Friday night, check out my other podcast because I have 18 of them. Mm, yes. Mocktails and Melanin. Alicia, who was a previous guest on this podcast, and I will be talking about our sober journeys and um, a little bit more uncensored sober sex, sober dating, sober life, sober queer things, everything under the sun, but how it relates to our sober journeys and just sober curiosity. Neither of our paths have been perfectly stone cold sober and that's okay. And we're going to just talk about it very honestly for 30 minutes on Instagram live starting May 27th. Should be super interesting. Check it out, everyone. In the meantime, I'm going to keep on being a businessman and taking care of my fam while Hillary's killing it in the game. And we'll see you next week. Need a nap. Bye. Peace. <laughs>